Ready? Alice Kristen's birthday. Hey. Happy birthday, Game Fan 44. Well, we should keep that in the show. <laughs> we will keep it in the show. Yes. Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode 32-2. And we're your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. And every week we listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. Um, last week was a really awesome special episode about Ukrainian game developers, game development studios, and composers. It was a good one and honestly something that it just felt nice to kind of dig into and just see. Because I, I kind of want to start doing that for other countries in a way too. Like, Yeah, no, we talked about like doing uh, uh, an episode per like region or per country, like all doing all Swedish composers, that kind of thing. That'd be kind of cool. It takes a lot of work, but it's a fun work. A little a little, little bit extra. Um, so I want to let everyone know before we get started, because this, this, these episodes are a little, little more wild than other ones, but this is a live streamed episode for our Patreon members. You so said the secret word. Ah! <laughs> the, 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 what's the secret word? It's the. <laughs> <laughs> My throat's gonna be so hoarse. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to do you in for now. <laughs> by the end of this year, you're not gonna want to do another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Pernell, what's your next pick? Game. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal. Oh, all right. I heard, I heard Rystar. <laughs> We're going to listen to some Rystar for the Sega Mega Draft. No, you really like Rystar, I huh? I do love Rystar. Um, all right. So this is a live streamed episode for our Patreon members. So if you're a, a member of our Patreon at any level, you get access to these monthly live stream shows. We record. It's generally every Thursday night um, Eastern that we do this. Well, once a month, though. Once a month. Once a month. Once a month. Um, which go to uh, patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels. And we have other um, incentives at other levels that are kind of cool. And you can check that out. So if you're interested, otherwise, if not, you downloaded the episode. Enjoy the show. Having fun is what it's all about. What we also do on these episodes is we play exclusively tracks picked by our listeners along with testimonials. The testimonials, honestly, for me, are like the best part, though. Oh, yes. Because, like, it's funny, like, we started with just being about the music, and I, I feel like even though we kind of had the idea, but it was also like a kind of like that thing related to like you know um, VGM jukebox. Yes, the other. The, and if and if you are time traveling listening to podcasts, the VGM jukebox is a great one to go back and listen to. Yes, their episode was exclusively, you know, uh, uh, caller in caller caller requests, caller requests. Yeah, and and testimonials, and they and were they fantastic. And the haunted jukebox, and the haunted jukebox, and like the so. Thing yeah, that's what like, we're doing. But like, I feel like we started doing it. it. Like, it almost got originally triggered because someone sent their track in, but they, on their own accord, included something they wanted to say about it. Right. Like, Wait a minute, we should right. read this. This is really good. So much of the show of our show is like kind of happens organically, which is good. You know, it's like it just goes to show that there's no commercial going on here. It's like, hi, right, we're the Pixels, where we give you all the things, the, all the muck that's picked to rake. Like anybody knows, right? But before we get started any further, we want to thank our sponsor, Casper Mattresses. <laughs> You'll sleep. Till you're dead. That's how good they feel. <laughs> and then you'll haunt your spouse. <laughs> Casper, man. that would be a, a good but somewhat morbid slogan. Casper will put you to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Christ. Oh, man. So um, our topic this week, we've, we've been mentioning it the past couple episodes, but it is Friendship Foundations mm-hmm. and Friendship Fishers. Yes. So these are, we're going to listen to music from games that you. Um, have had you know the foundations friendships built out of that or just like really fond 
memories of friendship from these games or games that have ruined or at least tried your friendships. Maybe yes. even um, relationships or familial ties broken. I don't know. I haven't I haven't read our, <laughs> our testimonials. I know there's a lot of like feel good stuff in our testimonials. I don't know if there's any feel bad stuff in our testimonials. There's a couple and I love them. So, uh, you know, I, I was kind of gravitating I, towards those. So, Next week, me and Pernell are probably going to do our own. Oh, yeah. Which I think is going to be a lot of fun. But I think we don't have quite enough picks. So I have a, I have one that was good and one that was bad. So depending on how many we've got today's episode, I'm going to pick one of them. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Let's get into some music. This is episode 32-2, Friendship Foundations and Friendship Fishers. I just like that because it just comes out the four Fs. Yes, it's the four Fs. All right, our first track is coming from our listener and Patreon member and friend, Martyrus, who is also the host of the podcast. Re-VGM. Yes, thank you. Re-VGM. So if you like only bonus round tracks, if you like only arrangements and covers and remixes, that is the podcast for you. Re-VGM. And he does some dirt digging, too. So he comes back with some information at times on these Not tracks. like us. We just do some dirt slinging. hi Throwing some shade. Did on. you hear? Hironobu Sakaguchi is a really big fan of, I don't know, what, is, what do they call over there? Oh, just Taco Bell. I don't know. <laughs> Gorgeous on Taco Bell on a regular basis. It's, do, you know, it's, do you hear? Martyrus? It's, it's ridiculous. Martyrus loves Taco Bell. He does. Yes. Oh, that's that's good. That's some muck that's Ooh, been drinking. Yeah, don't tell anybody about that. So on the DL, <laughs> you on the ain't DL. the gossip. We ain't hear from you. No, all right. So uh, Martyrs, I had to pick this one. I, I stole it from you. I don't know. Well, I don't know if you saw it yet, but I, I picked it right away. He wrote in the main theme from Team Fortress Two from the Orange Box on the Xbox 360 from Mike Moraski as the composer. Let's listen to it. That was the main theme from Team Fortress 2, um, which reminds me of the Orange Box, which was the collection of games from Valve on the Xbox 360. That was composed by Mike Moraski, and that was picked by our listener, Martyrus. It's a very timely pick, too, because like just today, within the last hour and a half, mind you, I was getting really nostalgic for like the golden age of like multiplayer gaming for our generation, which to me was the Xbox 360. I think so, too. Yeah. yeah. That, that was like, because that's, that's when it was really... It's available, like easy to get to for everybody. Right? Not just that, but I think the ages all coalesce effectively too. Like everybody had that extra bit of free time. Like I'm going to play yeah. some Xbox Live on a Friday night. It was like right before like families kind of formed. Exactly. <laughs> so it was like, of our age group, yeah, 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 it all kind of worked out. 
Um, so yeah, anyway, um, let me just uh, fix up a little bit of this text here. All right, so Martyrus wrote in, um, there have been a few games that I've played where friendships have been made. One of them is Team Fortress 2, a game I played within the orange box set. The track is the first one you hear upon arriving at the menu screen before joining a server. When I initially started, I was just enjoying the cartoonish characters and the quirky gameplay. Eventually, I started visiting certain servers on a regular basis because of some of the players I met online. And later, I was asked to be a moderator, which I enthusiastically said yes. At one, I made a, a Team Fortress 2 map that resembled the second stage of Donkey Kong with rivets and disappearing beams. To this day, I'm still friends with the original host who happens to live within SoCal about a couple hours from me. That's, That's very awesome. cool, yeah. I, I never had... I, I played a lot of Team Fortress 2. We had Team Fortress Tuesdays. Yes, it was Team Fortress Tuesdays. A bunch of us got together yeah. on Xbox Live. I sucked at the game, but Me I too. didn't care. <laughs> because the thing is, back then, not as much now, but still pretty bad. Um, I was never really the best for, like, twitchy FPS action. Yeah. So with Team Fortress, I primarily focused on being the spy or the scout. The spy, because it was all about sneaking around or whatever. Mm. And the scout was just like being really fast and bonking people with the bat. So I didn't have to be good at aiming. I just had to be good at running away from everything. I loved playing the, the doctor, the medic, and I loved playing the engineer. Oh, yeah, because the, the medic had the gun that like, kind of overcharged people. Didn't yeah. he? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The gun that would like heal people, so I would hide behind the people who are the tanks. And I love playing the engineer because I just love like, managing like, all the turrets around everywhere. Eh. Man, I missed that game. And that was part of what made it that so special to me. It was like, yeah. they gave real, I mean, there might be other ones that do that now, and I'm just not aware. But they had a they did a really good job of making making people who weren't good at FPS games have a use. Mm. So everyone could technically play despite not being twitchy. Like I think Overwatch is kind of like that. A lot of these I guess are kind of like MOBAs mixed with first person shooters where they're kind of like that where each character has its own like kind of class. Mm -hmm. But at this game it was really like the, the the stages were designed around having just these types of playable characters and that's all you had mm -hmm. what were there there was like six or seven of them yeah, but it seems about right yeah because i remember some of them like it was the pyro there was the spy the medic the scout the heavy the engineer of oh, the commando the, did i say the spy the commando the commando oh yeah. yeah the guy with the helmet with the bazooka yeah yeah and you said the spy already. So that's like seven there's like seven of them yeah our memory's good we got it we named all seven we get a prize all right the what? prize is pride of the trek but I, don't know. I think the prize is another track. So what, what did you pick? <laughs> well, I'm going to come in on this just right with, with a friendship fisher Ooh. that comes to us from Chris Wisner, Musashi219. This comes from the game Soul Calibur on the Sega Dreamcast. Title, track titles called Sail Over the Storm, the theme of the character Maxi, and is composed by Junichi Nakatsuru.
Welcome back. You are listening to Maxi's theme titled Sail Over the Storm from the game Soul Calibur, released for the Sega Dreamcast, though it also had an arcade release, composed by Junichi Nakatsuru. And this was submitted by Musashi219, a.k.a. Chris Wisner. Yeah, I swapped him. What you gonna do about it? No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, we were talking about it during the break in a sense where, like, Soul Calibur was one of those special first, uh, one of those special fighting games. It was one of the most well-known early 3D fighting games. I still call it early. Yeah, it's pretty early. Yeah, I mean, there was, like, Virtua Fighter. I think Soul Calibur was the first one. And then there was Tekken. Like, Soul Blade was also, wasn't Soul Blade? Oh, Soul Blade was the first one. But Soul Calibur was like where it's like everyone's like I'm playing this. Yes. Yeah. Now like I wasn't much for like being able to be good at it, but I would play when my friends would play it, and I would pretty much main like Sophia or Cassandra. But the thing I remember about this game particularly that made me feel like I could deal with it and play it more than the others was that it had that RPG esque mode where you could actually get new weapons and oh, and the, them. on on the consoles, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like oh, and I think Soul Calibur two or Soul Calibur three they did that in the arcade also. Really? Yeah, yeah. I was right. That was the one where you could take the. Correct me if I'm wrong, anybody in the chat or Rob, but I think <laughs> I it had. I, I could look it up. I'm not going to. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> but like it had, I want to say you could take a, either a PS2 or a drum GameCube memory card to the arcade and put it in. Possibly, possibly. It, um, a lot, a lot of those did it back in the day. So, but like, I remember seeing that at Fun and Games up in New Jersey. Yeah, Fun and Games had all kinds of wild stuff. That yeah. ain't it on the break. For such a small space, they had a lot of games. And surprisingly, it's it's only it's eight on the break that's still around. They're still there. Oh yeah, and they still have arcade games. Yes. Holy cow. Yeah, and they st- most of the games you remember are still there, and then and then then some. They keep everything up to date. That might be a fun nostalgia drive to me one day. That would be good. Yeah, yeah. Go up there and then maybe. Uh, I want to combine it with another trip. Like go there and then like do something in New York for the day. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. We should look into that. Just a little action trip. We'll, we'll, we'll go. We'll go. We'll go up to Connecticut. To like retro world, but on the way, we'll build a. It'll be a, it'll be a friendship foundation for. We'll, him. we'll spend the day at eight on the break like we used to. Yes. <laughs> so what did Chris Weisner have to say about Soul Calibur? He says, "I thought about this week's topic for a long while. As historically speaking, I don't have a ton of multiplayer memories, nor am I the most competitive of gamers. When it comes to fighting games, though, I'd say I'm average at best. But there is an exception to be made for Soul Calibur." The simple fact is, when I pick everyone's favorite nunchaku-wielding pirate, Maxi, I'm able to turn him into a human wrecking ball. Oh. One such memory was at a convention I attended many years ago that found me and a friend in the finals of a tournament for Soul Calibur on the Dreamcast. After a decent back and forth, where we each racked up two wins apiece, I went all out and proceeded to whoop said friends behind, <laughs> pulling off a perfect fifth round, thus winning me the tourney. A friend then decided... They had no desire to speak to me for the remainder of the event. It wasn't until some time later, however, I think things finally got smoothed over when they completely destroyed me in Virtual Fighter 4. Touche. Pernell addendum. Something like a, sometimes a little blood in the water is all it takes to get them back on your side. <laughs> Soul Calibur to this day is still one of my favorite franchises in a high mark in the Sega Dreamcast library. Enjoy Maxi's banger of a theme, Sail Over the Storm, composed by Junichi Nakatsuru, Yohihito Yano, Akitaka Toyama, Takanori Otsuka, and Hideki Tobeda. And remember, even if you lose to me in Soul Calibur, the soul still burns. The soul still burns. When I worked at an arcade, I would hear that all day long. <laughs> oh, the soul still burns. <laughs> Master Barnes. <laughs> I believe you have a package for me. That's a great story. I... I I might play mine later, which is a, it's a similar story to uh, in a fighting in the fighting game world. Fighting games really were that kind of like 
if someone figured it out before somebody else how to beat someone and they never figured out how to counter that, mm-hmm. you either lost that friendship or never played the game again. <laughs> I feel like it's also like maybe yeah, something to be said about too. fighting games in the sense that, because I wasn't much for them, so I can't perfect particularly comment, but head-to-head games in one, are one thing in general, but fighting games are like frantic chess where yeah. you're constantly yeah. trying to read the other player and counter their moves. Like, that's one thing to button mash, but when you're in the when you're in the pro levels or you're in the actual competitive levels, you're not button mashing. You're actually planning your moves out as you go, yeah. or hopefully doing so. <laughs> so when you're constantly getting beaten by the same person, it hits you extra hard. Oh, it hurts. It really hurts. It hurts. You're like, it's, it's actually an ego dump. Like, what am I doing so wrong <laughs> that this guy is just wrecking me when I'm trying to outthink him and outmaneuver him? I just can't do it. And that goes beyond like a Bomberman. I mean, like, I'm the guy. I'm really good at Bomberman. I'm just going fla- to flaunt that. I'm proud of it. But if I beat someone reg- repeatedly at Bomberman, I'm still just being really frantic and active on the fly. I'm not reading you. I'm not plotting against you. I'm just frantic, and I'm making it work. So if I could plot better. Anyway, I'm just trying to figure <laughs> out how can I beat Bomberman. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure this out. And this is a great pick. I'm really, really, really happy with this song. I love how what the so chat people were saying. Like they were like games that were like, like this content. Like Justice Snyder goes fighting games, kart racers, and Mario Party. Yeah, definitely. Which you better you bet your sweet tough it. <laughs> Mario Party's gonna be one of my. In fact, I'm, I have more tracks and more games to choose from than tracks I get to pick for the episode. So this is gonna be tough. Oh, um, uh, Jeff, 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 Jeff. Try triple Jeff. Quadruple Jeff. Uh, he says he <laughs> remembers that Battle Arena Toshinden was on the PlayStation One as a launch game. That was 3D. That was. It, it was. was. Yeah, it was. In fact, that was that was. I will be honest here. I want to say that was a fighting game that people would play when the when the PlayStation One was oh, coming right. out it of was friends' the houses. First one out. Yeah. And I actually kind of liked it because I liked the music in it mostly. So oh, I would use right. Ellie. Have, yeah, we have played some music on the show. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I would use Ellie all Wasn't the there time. An anime that one with that. There was an anime. They all, everyone was like really sharp, like. I don't know what it was. Oh, yeah, they had, like, like really sharp angular, shoulders and angular like, faces. Not like Aeon Flux, but like, it was like really like sharp 80s, 80s anime angular, right? Yes. All right, uh, let's get to our next track. This was picked by our listener, Jess. This is from Metal Gear Solid. This is the main theme for the Sony PlayStation, composed by Maki Kirioka and Kazuki Miraoka.
<laughs> that was the main theme from Metal Gear Solid for the Sony PlayStation composed by Maki Kirioka and Kazuki Miraoka. And that was picked by our listener and Patreon member, Jess. And yeah, I, I, we were laughing at the end of that because it does sound like it turns into like a Disney Christmas special <laughs> at the end of that track. I don't think I've ever listened to this song all the way through before. But Sound the rest of this is so like solid oh. snake is here, and he's bringing Christmas cheer. You open <laughs> up the box, explosives in your face. Where's Metal Gear? <laughs> Tell me where he is. And every time the, the first notes of the song start playing, I think it's um, I think it's the reuse theme. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Here, here, I'll, I'll start it up again. Here it is. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So Jess writes to us, um, I've known my best friend since junior high or high school. We both did dishes slash prep work at a local pizza joint and always got along really well, but weren't exactly close friends. Then Metal Gear Solid came out on the PS1. We both played it right when it came out. I even skipped school to play it. The only time I did that, I swear, and and both loved it. Then we started talking about Metal Gear and all the other games we both liked whenever we were working together. When we closed the restaurant together, we'd pour ourselves a beer when we were done and grab a handful of quarters out of the register and play the arcade games for an hour or two before we went home. Oh, that that's, takes me back, too. Yes. Now, every once in a while, we'd bring a console in and hook it up to one of the TVs in the dining room. Also, I remember doing that. And stay there way too late. We fell out of touch several, uh, several years when we went to college and such, but as luck would have it, we both ended up working for a different pizza joint and got right back into the routine of having a drink and playing video games after work. We've got new jobs, thank God, but we still get together uh, damn near every weekend to work on video and art projects and talk about Metal Gear. Seriously, I think Metal Gear comes up at least once every time. That's a beautiful story. It really is. I love that. It's like you said, like it does take you back. Like there was that. that and the sad thing about it, I feel like there are maybe some people who still have access to that in their jobs, but in our age, you're, it's rare you'll come across. But that whole group, friend group at a job where it's like, yeah. we all like the same stuff. Let's just hang back after work and putz around. Like, mm. I used to work at Hokie Grill when I used to go to Virginia Tech for that very small period of time. And it was a similar idea. Like, at the end of the night, sometimes you bring in, like, a game console hook up to their giant TV. You yeah. know, back when giant TV was actually huge tube TVs. Um, but yeah. we would just hook up a TV to that and just play video games in the Hokie Lounge. Yeah, as, as big as, like, if a TV as big as the one on the wall there, which is, like, 30, 32 inches. Oh, no, like, no. Oh, my God. No, it was a mega TV. Oh, like a but projection? But it was a huge, like, projection box. Oh, I see, I see. It was a huge TV, though. Mm-hmm. But, like... I, it's just, it's fun to think back think back on error times like that where people could just collectively get together after work and play stuff. Yeah, I, we know? had um, it was at Funscape. We had one night where um, uh, my friend Darius came in with the Dreamcast had just come out pretty recently, maybe like a month or two before, and he brought in uh, Sonic Adventure. Mm-hmm. I guess that was a release. That was a release title, right? Sonic Adventure was a launch title. Launch title, yeah. And um, King of Fighters '99 or '98, whatever, whatever the one that was that came out for the Dreamcast. And we played that like all night long. Like there's this one room where like we had like a safety video that played on this big TV and we just put it in that. <laughs> we just played like King of Fighters all night. I never played King of Fighters before and that was my first like introduction into that series. And we would play, of course we would, we would just turn the games on every night and just play to like three or four in the morning and then go to the diner and drink and smoke and then go back and play again <laughs> the next day. There's like, and there's like, there was like one other like big game that I can recall during my era of like being able to play games with people. It wasn't done at work, but it was all coworkers who would go to friends' house and play. Of all the games it could be, 
It was Super Monkey Bowl and Super Monkey Ball 2. Like we would all get together and just do rounds of Super Monkey of Monkey Target. Yeah. And also we would have that thing like I remember, I remember telling you about this when we were at like we were at Retro World too. Remember we did the Mario the Monkey Ball versus match? Yeah, 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 I remember that. It was like it was inspired by me remembering that where we just get to go it's like how far can we each get on the advanced course or the beginner course? And yeah. it was just such a brutal Those game. Those advanced courses are so hard. They're, oh. they're cruel. They're yet, so hard. But there was just something fun in the idea that like it was everyone felt they were hard, right? No one in my friend group was particularly great at monkey ball there was the one guy he was an idiot savant and we loved him for it but um for the most part it was a struggle so even if someone outdid you yeah in the back of your head you're like oh man he's really doing it you were cheering him on despite hating that he beat <laughs> you because of the fact that he was able to pull it off was all that mattered but like metal gear was like a cool one too in that regard like the reason why i was like happy when i saw that jess had picked this game is that like mike myers that was the first, that was the first game that we really bonded to because when I went to Virginia Tech, he liked PlayStation, but unlike me, he was knee deep in his studies, and he didn't have any game consoles or anything in his um in his dorm room, but he really wanted Metal Gear Solid when it came out, so he bought the game but played it on my PlayStation in my dorm room. So even though I also had the game. He was doing most of the game playing when he would come down to visit me. So we were kind of working through the puzzles together and stuff. Oh. That stupid hot cold key cart crap. Yep, yep. Um, and we were both together when the whole like, so you like Castlevania, all that nonsense happened. And we were like, oh my god, you're reading the second controller in every slot. Um, it was just like it's a it's like a fond bonding moment there was like I didn't even really like, I liked Metal Gear as a nostalgia person, but I wasn't like Jonesing for the new game so much as just being like, mm. I'll grab it to see what it's all about. Right. But playing it with him. It made it ten times more fun than it would have been if I just played it on my own. Yeah. So like it's like Metal Gear Solid, like Jess mentioned too. Like it's it's just a it's a good adventure. It's game a good is adventure. What it is. It's a good adventure game. But it's like there's like there's fighting and shooting and there's a lot of like sneaking around and stealth stuff. But like it's an adventure game in that you have to find items to open up new areas to unlock a story and there's puzzles and I and I think that's it's almost like Zelda in a way, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do like that Jess made a comment in the chat where we earlier we were talking about Solid Snake giving the kids presents. She goes, he, would just, <laughs> he just gives them an empty box as a gift. In my head, I read, oh, just a box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's just a box. It's just a box. <laughs> All right, what's your next track? All right, so we're going to make this the, chest, the Jess power block. Love it. So I'm going to pick her um, another track she submitted because, yeah, this, is, this game is the one. Um, this comes from the game Skater Die on the NES. It's the main theme from that game as well. And this was composed by... L. Rob Hubbard. <laughs>
Welcome back. You are listening to the main theme from the game, Skate or Die 1, the first game. To die, to die, to die. We wish, Rob, but it's the first game. We're all like we're all getting all nostalgic of, of of the characters from the game Lester. Lester. What was it? Was the other one? It was um Lester. And He's the only one I knew because he looked like Rodney Dangerfield, so he just stuck out like a sore thumb. <laughs> but you can look him up because I yeah know I, I gotta know it was uh, Skate or Die characters. It was Lester, and there was someone else, Agro Eddie, Co- Poser Pete. Oh I my god! Any of those guys? I I only remember Lester. So I remember in Skater Die 2, one of them like ran a, like, there was two of them and each one ran a shop. One ran Just named one Poser Pete. Poser Pete. Yeah, one ran like the skate shop and one ran like the weapon shop. Okay, you can go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're just caught up in the legacy. This was submitted by Jess and this was meant to her be submitted as a friendship fisher. So you know I was on board. So, what did she have to say about this gym? I've never lost a friend due to a video game, but boy did we have some fights over skate or die. When we were kids, there were a lot of kids in our neighborhood. We all would get together and get along pretty well and had some good times. We often got the whole group together and played NES in the basement of the house. We had tons of good games, but always ended up playing Skate or Die anyway because you could have up to eight players on it. We all had silly skateboard names like Tilex and Iceman, those being the (laughs) only two that I can remember. I like that. Then we used them every time. It wasn't a very good game. But we played it so much that we had all gotten pretty decent at it and had some heated competitions. We had an NES Advantage stick, still have it, and it's essential on the half-pipe stage, mind you. Mm. And you wouldn't believe the arguments we had over who got to use it during the two-player simultaneous sections. Even worse than the Advantage arguments, though, was when every once in a while, someone wasn't paying attention and played on someone else's turn. And as you can <laughs> probably imagine, all hell would break loose. One time, one of the kids went so far as to get up, press the power button, and leave the house. I haven't talked to any of them in 20 years. <laughs> Keep up the great work, guys. Can't thank you enough for all that you do. Much appreciated, too. Oh, man. Like, that NES, that's true, though. We had the same things. You mentioned the NES Advantage. Do you remember that control? The big block with the two buttons. and the Yeah, yeah. It was, it was the joystick, right? Yeah. Yeah, it had the turbo on it and everything. Like, we had one of those, and we had the NES Max. And to be oh, honest with NES you. Oh, the NES Max. And that's kind of what killed me, like, because uh, I never, even as a kid, I never really liked the classic NES controller, the little rectangle. It was not a comfortable hold. No. You just use it because you had to until anything better came yeah, along. Yeah. I feel like they were starting to figure it out with the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis being more ergonomic around your hand. But like with the Famicom and the NES, they were like, no, it's a block. But you know what kills me, though? So we kind of agree that the NES controller was kind of eh. And the Super Nintendo controller was like an improvement, but still had ways to go. But they standardized a directional pad oh, yeah, with yeah. your thumb. Oh, I'm not, I'm not yeah. doubting the, the technology. I'm just saying the Easy, sh- easy. We have get- listeners from Nintendo Corporation of Japan. Hey, Nintendo of Japan, <laughs> I'm glad you stepped away from those two model controllers. <laughs> um, but what blows my mind is that in the Switch era, Nintendo got into the habit of releasing like classic controllers, and you could buy them like slow, like, exclusively through oh, their store. Right. Yeah, and Ape like, do makes some, some too. Yeah. yeah, and people were like losing their minds to get them. And I'm like, look, I get the nostalgia appeal, 
But they weren't good controllers. It's like you're going to get this controller with your now adult-sized hands. You're going to open the box and go, remember the Nintendo? Still uncomfortable. And some people grew a little bit more than others. <laughs> for now. <laughs> Freaking like Galapagos <laughs> giant hands. Like I can't even find gloves for these hands. <laughs> like those controllers are not comfortable to hold. You can wrap your fingers twice around the controller. Those things are small too. I always forget how, how small they are. You could box with them. <laughs> <laughs> you stick them in your hand. He knocked them out with a NES controller. Now, if you ever played um, Smash TV on, this, on, the, on the NES, you can play with two controllers for one player. Like you would in the arcade with like two joysticks. With two NES advantages? Yeah, but on the cover of the box, it showed a guy holding them two-fisted, and it said two-fisted action. <laughs> <laughs> but like really, that was the best way to play that game, because it was like having the two analog sticks on a controller. Yeah. Yeah, they were ahead of their time. Yeah, like I just, I just, I can't get behind the going back for that. Like, no, I can't go back. I feel like currently when you think about controllers, like, a lot of people in the present day, will they'll say this controller sucks or this controller sucks, but this was the best. Yeah. I feel like ultimately they all have something of value, with the one exception being the Joy-Con holding it one-sided, tilted sideways. Like, I get that it's good to be used if you just need to split the Joy-Con in half, but if I don't have to, I prefer not to. Oh, yeah, it's hard. We've been playing Smash Brothers with the Joy-Con, the little half Joy-Cons. It's, it is. Not, it's hard. It's, it's really hard. Really hard. Yeah. But I will say that deep down... I feel like the Xbox nailed the controller design to the letter. Like I get after the the DualShock Four for PlayStation came back with a vengeance after the really bad DualShock Three. Oh. But DualShock Four and Five are great controllers. But the Xbox controllers in the end ended fun, up fun winning fact, the day. They still cost about the same. <laughs> really I went to buy a second one and I was like, wait a minute, it's it's just five dollars cheaper. What for the DualShock Four? Yeah. Oh, jeebus! As I almost picked up the wrong one because they look exactly the same. Honestly, you probably can't use the DualShock 5 on the No, it's just got all those extra features. It's like the force feedback on the different parts of the controller. It I just guess. drains the battery I would faster. imagine so, yeah. Anyway, i got to say, this track is awesome. It I love uh, The Skater Die music is always so, so good. And this is a rocking track. And it's funny, too, because it's weird. Like, Jess says it's not a good game. And the weird thing about it is that I think my sentiment is on agreement with her. When I first read that line, I was like, no, Skater Die was a great game. But then as I reflected a bit more... I was like, no, it, it had a lot of control issues. You just got used yeah. to it, like she said. Like you just got used to playing it, and you adapted. I played a lot on the computer, uh, a lot of Skater Die on the computer, and it, it did not play well, at least on the computer. I played a lot of Skater Die Two on the NES, and that had its own problems too. Right. And I played a lot of Tour de Thrash on the Game Boy, which was awesome. Also, fun. Uh, this is a side note, but it's related to the mm. Nintendo topic. So I have a friend who is recently getting like nostalgic with old games, and I don't know why he chose this, but he's like, you know what? I'm finally going to beat the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game on the NES. Oh, okay. And he decided to go back to it. Nice. And I've been enjoying the journey the entire time. <laughs> is he streaming it, or is he just like talking to you he about just, it? He talks about oh, okay, it. He'll post okay. and say, this yeah. is where I'm at right now in the game. And Because the thing about it is, like, if you go to the nostalgia communities for the game, everybody complains about the dam, which is stage two when you're swimming underwater. Yeah, but you can like you can just you don't need all the turtles. You can just you can just drain one or two of them. Yeah, know? that's yeah. and that's the trick. You drain one or two, but don't let them die. And then you get to stage three, you get pieces to bring them back. It, to the it game. was just hard because as a kid, you didn't want to hurt any of them. Like oh. they're a team. They're oh. brothers. They're oh. brothers. It only took me two sessions. I was like, <laughs> the brothers, Michelangelo and Raphael are scrap turtles. Dang. And Donatello's the goat. And you were a, Leonardo tough, you, you is a tougher the, kid than I was. You had to be, because as my friend is learning about that game, the dam was the least of your problems. The dam was just the wall that prevented you from experiencing the real harshness that is the Ninja Turtles game. Oh, man. Because it just gets worse and worse. Oh, so uh, Jess in the uh, in the chat 
I was talking about playing Smash TV with two Advantage controllers. So it's the, it's the two joysticks. That's pretty awesome. She's got two now. That's really cool. Smash TV was it? A, it was two two players with two controllers, right? It wasn't like one player using two controllers. Oh no! It can be one play. It could be one player using two controllers. Oh, you're right because you could have the right stick to do the. Would you ever use the right stick to aim the gun? Yeah, it was no. It was a twin stick shooter. That's what I'm saying. But you could actually set up just like okay, I got two controls for one person and it lets you manipulate the yeah, gun. Yeah, exactly. With the that, that, that's how it worked. I mean, that's how we. That, that was one of the options. The other that option. Awesome. The other option was like one button fired wherever you were pointing, and the other one would keep you in one direction. I have officially which, which learned something on well. this episode. Yeah, I did it, not know you could do that. It was it was a great port. Like I mean, honestly, it's just Robotron, and you can never go wrong with with a twin stick shooter like Robotron. Um, <laughs> Jeff says. Triple Jeff says, if people were introduced to skateboarding video games via Tony Hawk, if they went to go back and play skater guy, they would just break the cartridge. They, absolutely. Tony, Tony Hawk did a lot for the skateboarding. But that I mean, cartridge would die, but, die, 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 but, die. But, but when I was a kid, when I was like in elementary school playing these these skateboard, like the skater die and skater die 2, I was obsessed with skateboarding. I couldn't get enough of it. Because like there wasn't like X Games or anything on TV. So like the only skateboarding I ever saw were like kids in the street. Or like on MTV every once in a while. Not so, kids in the hall. Not kids in the hall. Kids in the street. Oh, yeah. They were they weren't as funny. But they, they were, but they did have a great track. I was gonna say make a Final Fantasy six joke. They could grind. They could grind better than I can't remember any of their names. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. All right. So um, we're going to my final track. This is one of my picks. This is the courtyard from the game Mortal Kombat for the Sega Genesis. Oh 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 oh. This one's by Matt Furness. Oh oh. <laughs> Well, it's on Matt Furness um, uh, arranged arranging the uh, the original track. Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> Thank you for the sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to The Courtyard from the game Mortal Kombat. This is from the Sega Genesis, composed by Dan Forden and arranged for the Genesis by Matt Furness. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, I won't do that anymore. All right. <laughs> I had to get it one more time. Um, this one was picked by me. It's one of the few games. Now, we've played a lot of fighting games with my friends where we had to give people handicaps. A lot of times, the handicaps were given to me. And... <laughs> But this is the this was the first time where like I experienced it. So I guess we were in like junior high, so I don't know, like thirteen or fourteen, playing this game. We were so excited when Mortal Kombat came out. I want to say it was about right. We were, it was like it came out ninety three or. 94. I want to say I say Mortal Kombat came out on the Genesis before Street Fighter, or at least I got it. I got this game before Street Fighter. came oh, out. On Genesis, it came out on before the, Street Fighter. Yeah, I remember because my parents were like, "We're not getting you Street Fighter. You already have a fighting game." And I was like, "I want them all." Um, so. 
yeah, I, we were so excited to play this game. Of course, we love all the violence, and we wanted to play two-player, and, and we had it hooked up. And um, eventually, I figured out <laughs> that I could beat everybody. Like, all my friends, I had like five or six people over, and I could beat everybody by doing just a neutral jump in the air. Not jumping left or right, just a neutral jump and a kick. It's like just jump with your leg go character. out. Yeah, and maybe it, maybe it was just the Genesis, or maybe just my friends weren't great at the game. But the fact that like the hitbox just stayed with me all the way up and all the way down. So it was just like a guillotine. Yeah, it, it, no one can. It was like a wall. It was a wall of hitbox, and no one could get past <laughs> me. And so every match, I would just do neutral jump kick, neutral jump kick, and just everyone's like trying to hit me with a fireball. Everyone's trying to jump at me. Everyone's, but wouldn't the fireball do the trick though? No, I, I don't know. Like everyone just no one could get me, and um and eventually. I had a few friends just be like, I want to go home. <laughs> I can't <laughs> do this. Or, or or we played something different. And, and ultimately, I was I was not that kid who was like, we're playing what I play because we're in my house. I would just choose something else. Rystar. But this was... <laughs> this no, no, this was before Rystar. Um, I didn't play Rystar. I didn't, even, I didn't even know about Rystar until we started doing this show, to be honest with you. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. You were like, oh, I don't know how to play this game. And then you like, really took to it. No, it was just before we started doing the podcast that I found Rystar and played it on an emulator and was like, oh my god, this is so good. So good. This music is amazing. So yeah, Mortal Kombat certainly tried my friendships as a young young kid. It was all that blood. It just, it, again, it just yeah. it just stirred up the rowdiness. But, but really, once I started playing Street Fighter, like I didn't want to play Mortal Kombat ever again. The whole back to block, like Trump's hitting a button to block for me any day. Makes you wonder, yeah. back when the ESRB was losing his mind over Mortal Kombat, it makes you wonder why nobody decided to do a study on the versions of Mortal Kombat and how the kids reacted to it. Because, you know, they were like, it's so violent. And this, is what, this was a large part of why kids need to have ratings in their games. But for those who remember... Super Nintendo was highly modified because they had censorship on Super Nintendo. So instead of bleeding, they had sweat in that game. Yeah, they just turned it gray or something. Like, yeah. So they weren't bleeding. <laughs> so it leaves you to wonder, <laughs> did kids playing it on Super Nintendo have less violent tendencies than kids who were playing it on the Genesis? I don't freaking know. But like, it just I always found it funny. They were like, you know, this is, this is corrupting our children. You can rip that guy's spine out in this game. I don't like my kids playing this. Like, well, come on. I just watched Nightmare on Elm Street two nights ago. You were yeah. fine with that. <laughs> exactly. Like, we've been watching. I watched, like, Total Recall as I was a kid. We watched uh, the It um, uh, uh, the It miniseries on TV. Yeah. That stuff was way more disturbing than any of these pixelated stuff. Like, the other night, before I, going I, th- to I think it's because it's it's inter- interactive, interactive um, entertainment. You know, it's like we're choosing... You didn't have to rip the guy's head off or burn him alive, but but it took extra. It took actual we effort to learn the code. We chose to. We chose to. I remember going to. We used to go to these Super Bowl parties with my dad, with his friends from work, and I would just bring my Genesis because I didn't care about football. <laughs> and after a while, he was like okay with it, and and then I would get to know some of the kids there. But I remember one of his friends was like so drunk, and he would walk over and be like, "Do it again, do it again, <laughs> rip that guy's head off." And he'd go, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> he thought it was so funny. I was like, "This is great." <laughs> I love how, like Jeff says, "Wow, like Rob makes me remember purposefully not playing certain games with some friends because I knew I was much better than they were at them." See, Jeff's a better person than me because sometimes I needed to pick the game I was better at so I could feel good again after getting trounced in other games. <laughs> I didn't bring it. I didn't make it about me for five seconds. Like, okay, let's go back to Bomberman, Super Bomberman Two, to be specific. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a very, very good one. All right, we're on to your um, this is the final your final uh, main track of the show. This final track comes from good, good man, Joe McVicker. 
And this is the game, Guilty Gear X2, The Midnight Carnival. Track title is Sucka Sage. This is, if I recall correctly, Chip Zanif's theme from that game. It is composed by Daisuke Ishiwatari. listening to Suck a Sage from the game Guilty Gear X2, The Midnight Carnival, released on the PlayStation 1, and I want to say also it was an arcade, as I'm sure it was an arcade game, um, composed by Daisuke Ishiwatere and submitted by our friend Joe McVicker. Um, this, I love that he picked this track because Guilty Gear OST is a banger. Every Guilty Gear OST track is a banger. So good. Because, again, Daisuke is a man that can't be stopped. Um... Well, let's talk about the actual submission dialogue that he put in for it. He said, Games that made friendships, I had not even heard of Guilty Gear until I started hanging out with a buddy, 
and he got me hooked on the crazy style of music that is Dicegate Ishiwater. I have to do a submission from my main man, Chip Zenith, specifically the song Sucker Sage from Guilty Gear X2 to Midnight Carnival. <laughs> oh, clear that throat. Let me clear. Ah, 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 ah. But, like, yeah, the, honestly, Guilty Gear X2, I will say, was probably. I've mentioned earlier in the show there were a number of fighting games that I kind of dipped my toe in over the years. And I wanted to. And um, Street Fighter Alpha 3 was the first one I bought, like, hardcore, because I was like, I like the world tour move. But I want to say that this is the first one that I bought and actually really tried to get good at. Hmm. Because I bought it for PS1 because I liked the character design a lot. They were all really weird, and it was like a metal thing. Oh, yeah. They were, all, they were all really different, and it played really differently. And it was really like high-resolution graphics. Even the first one on the PlayStation was really, really high-resolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just a beautiful game. Beautiful and I ended game. up buying it, took it home, and I used, even though my favorite characters were Bridget and May and Mia Rage, I ended up using Jam for some reason on my first attempt at beating the game. Mm-hmm. And the game had a story mode where you kind of branch off in different directions depending on choices you made or whatever and how you won or lost battles. But for some reason, I ended up on a path where you end up fighting a special type of boss in the game. It was a character named Eno who had like a weird like witch's hat and she had a guitar. I know. I've seen the character. I just I don't remember. I don't remember anything about this game. <laughs> oh, this is my baby. But, like, the thing that made this version of the boss weird, like, it, I always refer to it as a megalomaniacal Eno because she had specific moves that only the boss version of her could do. Like, her normal character didn't even do this stuff. Screen-filling bullet waves and crap like that. Oh, wow. And you could only hurt her by hitting her with super moves. Like, you couldn't hurt her with your normal attacks. Oh, man. So, as a person who sucked at the game yeah. and was not even good at perfecting moves on the fly, I was struggling. It took me hours of constantly playing it over and over again to eventually win this battle. But I was hooked because the music track that played during it, which is actually track title was called The Midnight Carnival too. Oh, okay. Um, the music that played was really good. It was mm. it got stuck in my head and I still can hear it. Like I know it off the top of my head because of all the time I spent retrying that same boss to get it right. And then afterwards, uh, after I beat them, I never tried again with anybody else. I was done. You're, yeah, I know. Sometimes, sometimes it's, things are so hard. Like you're thinking, I don't think I could do that again. I don't think I need to do that again. I don't need to do it again. Oh, I'm done. Right, yeah. Lock it up. <laughs> you were like, I think you stopped. Like, what's going on? I did. Um, was there a, uh, a, a? Did I miss? Did I just like totally tune out the testimonial? What happened here? Yeah, it was. A, he had a short description that he oh, had. Oh, okay, for cool. Okay. So I already. You read know it. what? You read it, and I thought it was from you. Oh no, no. <laughs> My testimonial was Eno kicked the tar out of me over and over again until I stuffed her out, and I feel good about that. Oh man. But uh, she's also a really good character, though. To be honest with you, the idea of like a just a rocking witch. Yeah, and like instead of a broomstick, it's a it's an electric guitar. Yes, I, I love that. All right, so now that the track is over, we're going to get into the part of the show, a different part of the show, that we call the bonus round. Bonus, b- bonus round, yeah. And bonus round. God, don't make me choke <laughs> on my coffee. The bonus round is where we play covers and arrangements and remixes on our theme, and we got some bonus round picks for our theme this week. So I'm picking one a track from Bedroth. This is a medley from Super Mario Brothers 3 by Mr. Dooves. Let's give it a listen. (laughs) 
<laughs> that was a Super Mario Brothers 3 medley from the acapella master, Mr. Dooves, music by Koji Kondo. Mr. Dooves, I presume. <laughs> Very, that was really, really good. We were, it's not quite smooth McGroove. It's because like he was trying, like he tries to emulate everything like a pitch perfect. This has like all this fun character to it. I, I really enjoyed that very, very much. I just like, honestly, that, I, anytime anyone wants to break out the athletic theme for Mario 3, I'm going to smile like a sunshine. Oh, yeah, and, and if they're just going to sing it, like, just, like, with their mouths, <laughs> I'm way into it. Do, 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 uh, so, do, 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 do. <laughs> yes. so uh, Bedroth writes in, um, this is such a cool topic. Hats off to Jeff, exclamation point. I'm looking forward to everyone's stories as much as the music this time around. I had to go with something from Super Mario Brothers 3. I was having a lot of trouble with the World 3 Fortress back in third grade. It was one of those maze levels with lots of doors that dropped you in seemingly, seemingly random places. This is until a kid in my class named Chad, who I had never really talked to before, started talking to me about video games when we were supposed to be playing, paying attention to the geography lesson. Ooh, and that's why to this day, he has no idea where he is. <laughs> As he failed Where's Paraguay? <laughs> Where's Paraguay? Or Paraguay. Um, uh, the topic quickly turned to uh, my current gaming woes, and Chad had all the answers. This led to a friendship that sadly only lasted for about two years as he moved away after that. But this memory will always be cherished. The teacher never caught us either. I'd like to submit for the bonus round this cool medley by Mr. Doves on YouTube containing an acapella medley of World Map 1, Overworld 1, Overworld 2, The King Restored, and Game Over from this stone-cold gaming classic. If you're out there, Chad, I hope you're still gaming and having a good old time. That makes you think kind of, doesn't it? Like, mm. that doesn't happen anymore as adults. Like, not many not of adults, us play no. video games. <laughs> we, a ton of us play video games. But how? I don't hear people do the thing where it's like, I'm stuck on this part. And their friends are like, oh, I'll do it for you. I'll just come over this weekend and help you out. Oh, yeah. I mean, aside from, like, our little uh, support group of uh, 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 chat thread for the, the adventure game that you love. We're talking about Shimagami Fight. No, the side-scrolling one. We did a whole episode with Carlos. Oh, La Mulana too. La Mulana. <laughs> you know what? I was so close to saying Legends of the Lost Temple. <laughs> that could that could be its own game, honestly. That wasn't it. That wasn't it. But like, yeah, like I mean, but like, and I, trust me when I say that to me felt. I'll never get over that. Like that might be the last time I ever experienced something like that. I admit that. Because that's just how unique that scenario was, yeah, yeah. which makes me sad, but also it makes me appreciate it and cherish it. But like in this case, I'm referring to just the idea of being like, um, like for example, you're playing Ninja Gaiden, but you just can't seem to get past Area Six Dash One. It's killing you. And your friend at school, like he's describing his friend Chad, he's like, you know, I got that. I've beaten that level before. It's like, but that's impossible. No one can beat six one. It's not doable. Like, I'll show you after school. I'll come over and get some get some coffee or some coffee. Kids, <laughs> kids drink. We'll get some Kool Aid. We'll get some juice boxes. <laughs> <laughs> my house was all Kool Aid all the time, and my mom would bake cheesecake. But like, get some call, get some um, some Kool Aid, and we'll just play the game and see how we do. And then we just like people would come over sometimes, put the game in. Usually it was me doing the thing of showing them how to do a level. It's like, Pernell <laughs> yeah. can do it. Let's watch Pernell play. And I'm like playing through. It's like, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. And it's just this sense of spun. And I was like, he's doing it. He's actually doing it. And kids would get excited to watch their friends succeed at a level that's really hard for everybody. And you're teaching them the secrets. Like, okay, the trick, if you stop here, the guy will run and jump off the cliff on his own. And you don't have to worry about hitting him in midair. It's like, it's, I miss stuff like that. I really miss stuff like that. Yeah, now, now, now you go into work and everyone's talking about 
like uh, uh, Elden Ring. It's like, oh man, did you beat that boss? I can't do it. Well, I'll see you after work, and well, I'll help you beat that boss for you. That doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. No, doesn't happen. I do have one friend who's trying to do a thing with Elden Ring where he's like, hey. Summon me into your game. I'm a level 150 guy with like a huge armor boat. I'm like, it's Elden Ring. I'm not going to call you to say, hey, come to this specific place at this specific time and put down a summon sign. Like, you can't, co- it's hard to coordinate in that game for that. Um, but you can put like passwords in and all, but still, it's just. Yeah, yeah. Get, getting, especially at our age, getting together at the same time, play the same game at different houses. It's, it's it, tough. Like, it's, it's tough. doable, it's but a, it's tough. It's tough. It's very, very tough. Um, so, what's your bonus round pick? This one's going to take this episode to a bit of a heavy pitch, but what do you expect, right? So this comes from Listener the Last Weekend, and this is actually like an original cut that's inspired by a game, but it's a big one. And I think it's funny because this track and the track that we're going to play at the end of the episode both reference this game, and it's going to be a trifecta of love for it because this is definitely a friendship builder for me too. This comes from the band Power Glove, it's a Pokemon-inspired track, and it's called Gotta Catch Them All, or Gotta Catch Them All. You teach me, and I'll teach you how to say the title properly. <laughs> there you go.
Welcome back. You are listening to Gotta Catch Em All. The original Destiny is the theme song from the Pokemon cartoon, but done up with love and blood by Power Glove and submitted by The Last Recon. So I'm going to read the testimonial, then I'll do Ramble Tamble Town. Um, <laughs> so Last Recon says, so I technically, I know that this technically isn't a VGM track, but it is based on the game, so I believe it should count. So, Pokemon, the many friendships that I have forged because of this game series is immeasurable. From people who live across the pond to our very own Purnell, this series has made me many a friend. Not often you can go too far in this world and not meet someone who doesn't like Pokemon in some form or fashion. Sorry I couldn't make today's show, guys. A very, a very special person's birthday is today, so I'm spending it with them. Hope you are all well, and I'll see you in the Fight Club. P.S. Sir Purnell, I challenge you to a Mega Man run. Details to follow. What? He gives me a, a challenge, and then he makes me anticipate what it's going to be. But I like the fact that it's Mega Man because it means I actually have a chance, so I'm curious about what he tries to do. I'm ready for it because I love Mega Man. Yeah, play with, gotta play, gotta play with your feet. Yeah, no, you, no. Actually, I'd probably win it. Well, then. okay, okay, okay. One hand, one foot, but you get to choose – which hand and which foot? Well, obviously it'd be the right hand and my left foot, but I still would hate it. <laughs> you, so you would do control with your foot over? Oh, you got a point. Well, no, because jumping and like, no matter how you slice this corner, it would be terrible to have to play that. I way. would definitely go left hand on the controller, right foot on the buttons. I think the challenge should be you're playing Twister while you play <laughs> right <laughs> foot green. Either <laughs> way, that sounds like a difficult challenge. Um, Take the physical I, challenge. It is a physical challenge because you, you have to contort your body into that way. I don't know if I could stretch to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but oh. yeah, he does make a good point here, which is, and that's why I like I like this. And also, we'll we'll talk about that one later when it comes up at the end. But okay, yeah. the idea that Pokemon really did, and I might not pick a Pokemon episode track for the next episode, so I can talk about it now. But Pokemon did a amazing job of building friendships for me. Like I. Started playing it in college when I got the U.S. release of the game, and I immediately bonded with Matt over it, and then his friend Aaron, who I also bonded with over the game. Then I became friends with a bunch of people in Baltimore over the game as they were releasing them, and then one day, we all were lamenting and hanging out after the release of, I want to say it was Ruby Sapphire. Um, we were at a Toys R Us event. We bumped into another guy who was an, also an adult there. I was like, wait a minute, another adult who plays Pokemon. Let's hang out and play Pokemon together. So he came back with us to our houses. Oh, wow. Or not my house because I was visiting. But we all were hanging out and playing Pokemon. And we were like, you know, we should just form a group of people who are adults that play Pokemon. So we formed the East Coast Pokemon League. And that's how we met the last Ricky. He found the group on Facebook and joined oh, it. Oh, that's right. I, I knew he was a part of that group. I didn't know how that all started. It was literally just yeah. a bunch of adults who wanted to play Pokemon with more adults. <laughs> and it wasn't like we want to get drunk or nothing. It was literally just, it felt weird going to Toys R Us, being around a bunch of kids half our size, like, Daddy, Mommy, Mewtwo's <laughs> out. And you're like, yeah, yeah. we want to just stand over here. Are you guys still, I mean, I guess, I don't know, not now, but I mean, are they still doing things in the MAGFest world? Yeah, I mean, yeah. they they had they had a Pokemon Battle League at MAGFest this, this year, 2022. Huh. Um, I haven't been involved in the MAG version of it, and honestly, I haven't even been all that involved in the East Coast version lately, but I'm hoping to get my batteries recharged to give it a try, because the issue was when Sword and Shield came out, the energy really died down, because... Even though they had some cool new Pokemon added to the game, it was just something that was missing in the in the formula 
to make you want to keep playing like the mm. old ones did. Yeah. So I kind of had my fill of it, did a MAGFest version of it, a MAGFest run of it. I love me some Dora Luton. Um, and then I was just like, you know, I just don't really feel the fire anymore. Hmm. And then Brilliant Diamond and whatever Shining Pearl came out, <laughs> that was kind of lackluster, despite the fact that I loved Diamond and Pearl's originals. It just wasn't much. It was literally just a copy-paste with some cute chibi versions of the characters. And then the new one came out, Arceus, which is pretty great, but it's not really a uh, I'm going to battle my friends kind of Pokemon game. Yeah. So I haven't had my batteries recharged enough to really want to get back into versus gaming yet. But Pokemon itself is still just like that thing. Like when they say a new Pokemon game's coming out, and that also means new Pokemon are going to get announced, I'm old as the dick is. We're talking Methuselah old. <laughs> and I still get excited to hear about what new Pokemon are coming out. I'm like, I sure hope they make a water steel type. They need another water steel type. And then they don't do it, and I cry. And then I'm like, whatever, <laughs> I'll just work with my, my steel dragons. They're still awesome too, you know. But Pokemon just it just works. Like, and it's also one of those games that I personally feel is a great generation connector. Mm-hmm. Like Matt's friend, Matt, our friend Matt. His daughter, not the other man, not the Matt I was talking about earlier. This is a different Matt. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, his daughter, uh, our Matt, and actually Matt's been on our show twice. Yeah, yeah. Like his daughter's a big Pokemon fan. Yeah, and like I bonded with his kids over Pokemon. Like I've come up there and she got into the game, and Matt's like, you know, Pernell plays a little bit of Pokemon, and it was almost like that meme where she starts talking about how much she liked Pokemon, and she's like, she made a quip about how she could beat me at Pokemon. I was like, I will, I will wreck you, kid. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't step. To an old man, you I'll still live, show you how it's done. You won't live to see 12, little girl. <laughs> right. <laughs> Bring out your worst Pokemon. I'll bury them. But then I'll buy you ice cream to make you feel better. Well, we got some more Pokemon talk later. So um, for more information on the bonus round part of our show, please go to rhythmandpixels.com. We'll have links to all of these artists, band camps, and SoundClouds, and everywhere where you can buy the music, stream the music, and support all of these amazing artists. Thanks for joining us on episode 32-2. This is your Gaming Friendships and Gaming Fishers. Friendship Fishers. Or, yeah, Friendship Foundations and Friendship... Fi- anyway, I might... <laughs> I don't know if... I'm, I'm, I guess I'll call the episode that... I don't know yet. You I'm, got to, because it's four Fs. The four Fs. Four Fs. All right. You love alliteration. You better believe it. Four you, Fs club. <laughs> you find alliteration alluring. <laughs> I do what I can. Also, afraid... <laughs> afraid of what? There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> this last track comes from uh, GameFan44. This is from Pokemon Crystal for the Game Boy Color. This is Game Corner, Pokemon Radio, Lucky Channel. Um, and she writes, Would it be cheating if I picked a series? I have made many friends and met a lot of people because of the Pokemon games. It was hard to pick just one that had more impact. From playing Gold, Silver, and Crystal with my sister... Middle school with Diamond and Pearl. Hey, are you playing Pokemon? High school and looking up info on Sarah B and seeing a group of people are trying to uh, catch them all in a marathon raising money for charity. X and Y coming out and reconnecting reconnecting with my sister. To Pokemon Go and getting both my sisters and my mom to play and meeting others outside. Pokemon has greatly impacted my life. Yeah, it's 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 everybody. It's it's really got everybody. I've heard of people who literally have like the straight up like social like anxiety, or just like they're challenged with communicating with others. And Pokemon was the thing that helped them get out of their shell and make friends. Like it's it's 
there are a lot of video games out there, and people can trash talk the Pokemon franchise all they want. Cause you know people do. Oh, um, yeah. And they'll, they'll also make claims like, you know, Game, Fe- Game Freak's got lazy or whatever you want to say. But at the end of the day, I stand by my belief that there has not been a social gaming series quite like Pokemon. No. Like, um, at all. I mean, and the game was designed from the beginning to be a social game. Like, that's, they had the, it was all about linking, getting the link cable and, like, meeting with family, meeting with friends, and, like, working together to, to, to get all of the, all of the, all of the Pokemon. Which is kind of funny, too, because, like, if you go to, like, certain forums and stuff, and I'll admit, I am a person who kind of feels this way, but also not, where people will get upset that they're still doing the two-version deal. Like, I like the fact that I, you have to buy both versions to get all the Pokemon. That's just something like they're trying to double dip. I'm like, not really, because the entire point is you're supposed to only buy one. You're not supposed to buy yeah, both. Yeah, you're encouraged to find other people who have the other game yeah. and play with them. But what ends up happening is people buy both copies, Yeah. but then say Nintendo's trying to tell them to buy both. It's like, no, you don't have to. And I'll admit, I do know that they make like, certain stores like Target will have like the special double pack that has both games in it, but that's called marketing, and they know they'll get money from people who want both versions for collector's sake. But you're only ever supposed to buy one, and you're supposed to trade with other people. And with the internet now, it's easier than ever to just to drop, throw up a, num, a Pokemon on the global network and just get one uploaded to you. <laughs> so don't buy both versions of the game. I yeah. like the idea that despite the fact that it would be nice to be able to get them all in one cart, I am the guy who wouldn't mind that. I also like the idea that it forces you to not be isolated if you want to technically catch every Pokemon. Right, yeah. If you want to catch them all, then you got to make some friends. Meet a few. <laughs> got to catch them all gotta, by meeting a few. <laughs> okay. Meeting a few. That, that, that was the catchphrase that didn't really catch on. <laughs> or got to catch a few. I mean, that's, that's also fine as well. Got to catch most of them. All right, well, um, I want to thank everybody for joining our show. And um, at the end of our show, I like to tell everybody, if you're interested in the show, if you want a full track listing from this episode, if you want to catch more of our past episodes, one Gotta of the best- catch them all. Yeah, if you want to... Don't listen to them all. There's so many to listen to. <laughs> Gotta catch a few. You can download them all, but but don't be a hero and try to listen to all of them. There's so many. Pick pick a pick a topic, find an episode that sounds interesting to you, and just just jump in from there. If, if this is our first one that you're listening to, but you, all of that stuff you can get at our website, rhythmandpixels.com. Um, and <laughs> you didn't say www that time. That's right. I was I'm totally better waiting, at this. totally waiting for it. Um, and if you would like to uh, get a hold of us and say hi, if you have a, a track. Uh, suggestion or a topic suggestion uh, the best way to do that is to send us an email rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com then you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter it's rhythmandpixels all one word in fact you can just stick it right in Google rhythm and pixels and you'll you'll just find everything there Um, so that is super simple you can go to youtube.com slash rhythmandpixels we have a a 24-7 radio station playing nothing but 8-bit and 16-bit classics and deep cuts um, I'm really proud of that radio station. So if you want some music at work or if you're studying or if you're just trying to go to sleep, it's a great station just to have on in the background. If you've got new kids in the house, like a baby, you know, this, this is the perfect station to put on. But if you've got new kids in the block in your house, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, and if you've got 98 degrees in the house. It's too hot. Turn it down. Doubly sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can check that out. Uh, also, um, if you like the show and you want to support the show, um, one of the best things you can do is just tell people about it, tell your friends, tell your family. 
um, and just tell tell everybody around you in the in the immediate like one mile radius. Uh-huh. If you could get a plane with one of those like banners that flies behind you and just write like listen to the podcast that I like Rhythm and Pixels with Robin for it's, it's a long it's a long banner. It's worth it. Yeah, we appreciate it. I mean, heck, just write it on. Just write it in the <laughs> sand at your local playground. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, write it in the sand. Just write it. Yeah, you can like write it out with like sticks, like in really big words, so that when planes fly by, they can see it. Wait a minute! Someone's looking, asking for help. It says rhythm and pixels. It says podcast. Is that some kind of code? I don't listen to podcasts. Podcasts are dumb. Um, <laughs> another way to support us is by going to Patreon, patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels. There you get access to live streamed episodes once a month, just like this one, where you can um, hang out at a live stream and joke with us in between songs. And it's a really good time. Um, you also get access to prequel episodes that have been recorded up there. You get access to um, stickers, there's mugs and there's t-shirts and there's a bunch of other cool stuff. And then at the end of every episode, we'd like to thank all of our Patreon members at the highest uh, tiers. And so we have two new Patreon members this week, which is very, very exciting. We have uh, Mandalorian Scar. Thank you so much. And uh, Martyrus. Welcome aboard, Martyrus. We love having you on here. You're funny about I was like, wait a minute. Wow, I didn't know he was. I didn't realize you weren't even on there. And I was like, we chat so much. If he was, or maybe he maybe he upped his, his money. I don't know. But like, but that, today he's here now. Thank you. We're glad. We appreciate that you're here. So, um, we would like to thank all of these people very, very much. We would like to thank Brooke, Frankly Zappa, the number one again. Num- number one. Don't have a name. I uh, want to thank GameFan44, uh, Mike Myers, Alf Person. Fashion 8060. I want to thank Alex Messenger, the messenger from the podcast A VGM Journey. Andreas Mailberg, Brian Pitt, Cameron Worma, Carlos, Kung Fu Carlito from the Heroes 3 podcast. Chris Steenerson, Chris Wisner, aka Musashi219. The wise guy. Christopher Sandstrom, Davy Cakes, David Taylor. Um, is this right? We have a, is it, uh, maybe I missed this one. We have Enchilada Rigol. Oh, there's another one. Yeah, that's a new one. March 30th. Oh, that that is just now. I just didn't. I just didn't get the email for that. So we got another new member, uh, Enchilada. Thank you so That's so awesome. much. Yeah. Um, thank you, Harold Howard. Thank you, Try Jeff. 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 Uh, thank you, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio. Again, just want to rep that podcast. April first, uh, you'll hear our voices and many others. We got a note though. We got a note. Theirs is a more of a PG thirteen PG thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if you're listening to the show, like in the car with a bunch of kids, maybe not that one. Yeah, our show is fine, absolutely. We don't say the F word unless unless the F word is fun. fun. And they don't say it either, but fun. <laughs> but they get close. No, they don't. They actually don't get close. I want to thank Martiris. I want to thank Doctor Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound Version Podcast. Michael Jennings, Rage Cage from the VG Emporium. Reinhard Selkova, Romancing Sagat, eighty one. Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, Taco, and Ed Wilson from the VG Embassy Podcast. And I totally forgot to um, also rep that. Um, Martyrus. Martyrus' podcast is called ReVGM, which is all about covers and remixes. And that, I think that's a really cool idea. So check all those fine podcasts out. Thank you Wherever all so, so much. Wherever fine podcasts are sold, like the VG. And if you're paying for your podcasts, you're paying too much because these things are <laughs> all free. Except for you guys. Thank you so much for your conti- <laughs> continued support of our show. Um, seeing your names, it really uh, encourages us to make more, to do better. Um, all the money goes into the hosting of the site, to our domain, to the file, to the file hosting, um, and uh, equipment for the podcast and for streaming. So, thank you all so so much. Um, yeah. So next week we have um, another. Uh, we're going to do a topic, just me and Pernell, of this one. And we have some guests um, getting lined up. I think we have Chell 
was eventually coming on the show soon. Was it April? I think it was sometime in April. Yeah. And we have Ed Wilson wants to come back. Oops. That's going to be a fun one. Oops, all arpeggios. We're actually going to finally do it. And there's one more. Was there one more? I'm not sure. I know there's a couple that we really should email, but I've been I've been like slacking on like getting the info to you and mm-hmm. e- or Elon myself. I'd love to get if he's available. I'd love to get Cameron um, Childs back on maybe because he's doing some more stuff with the Mad Gear, and it'd be fun to have him on because his his episode with, uh, we did ages ago was was really really good. Was that the one with like the villains? No, it was Stank Face Jams. We did, I think we did one for villains too, though. I feel like there was one we did with villains. Yeah, we did. Oh, that's right, we had him on twice. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to have him back, but. Um, anyway, so the BS, we got some guests coming up, and I'm really excited about it. having guests. It's always really fun for, for, for the show. Um, so anyway, thank you, everyone, for supporting the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And thanks for everyone on our live stream who is still hanging out with us. Very much appreciated. Honestly, I love the live stream. Honestly, even if we can't get to everything that is said in the live stream, because, it's, again, it's just like a weird disconnect on the both back and forth. I love reading the chats that take place there. I like the fact that everyone seems to be having fun hanging out with yeah. us. So thank you very much for spending time with us. And, I mean, we enjoy it just as much. It's a lot of fun having you guys. Yeah, we really, really do. That's what I mean. It's why we're doing it every month now. So, because mm-hmm. yeah. we didn't do it every month. It was like once in a blue moon. Yeah, it was, uh, it was after our third year. I think we got more into it. Um, so yeah, thank you. And it was also because I just didn't have like everything set up for it. <laughs> but now, now everything is wired together and it's all working fine. So. Um, Everyone, thank you so much. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. And remember, video gaming is is all well and good, though I feel like nowadays it's been a lot more of a drive towards playing games for the sense of, like, completing the game, getting from the game to the end, just getting those achievements, points, or trophy (laughs) scores up, you know, just knocking one game, one more game off of your list of mini games. But I remember that at the beginning of this whole thing, more times it was more so about the experiences you had the times you spent with your friends the dialogue you had with people in regards to the trials and tribulations of the games this episode topic in particular the experiences you had playing with your friends the fights you had the bonds you formed like I know it's harder to do that as we get older because time gets away from us it's hard to coordinate and all but don't forget that is an element of gaming that in some respects at least in my opinion is the best part of gaming the connections and experiences and stories that come from it, not just I beat this boss the other day. Time to move on to the next boss. Oh man, five new games just came out. Which one to buy? Hey, time to get on the corporate, you know, the, the consumerism train of game releases. Oh, yeah. Which is freaking running full steam ahead right now. Um, just remember, it's not just about accumulating and playing through. It's also about the experiences, social and story based that you have with them. So don't let those fall by the wayside as you play through your many, many games. 